Father, I ask for the utterance of wisdom this morning. I ask for that gifting, God. I pray that You would open our eyes and our ears to knowledge and to understanding. Jesus, as You taught these parables, I pray that You would teach us now. I pray that we would know and understand this is worship as we look in Your Word and as we hear from You. I pray, God, You'd forgive us our sins, but You would speak to us. You are the Master who knows every person, their ability, their opportunities, what You've placed in their hands. And I ask, God, that today You would stir us by Your Spirit. God, this is a time of year where so many people think about their lives and they think about what they've accomplished. They think about what they want to do in the future. So many times, God, we make resolutions and they're, they're in our own power. Some are good, some are not. Many of them don't last. I'm asking God today not for New Year's resolutions, but I'm asking God today for determinations by Your Spirit that You would help us to change and be molded. And I ask God that You would give us the energy, the strength, and the help we need to accomplish whatever You lay on our hearts today. Father, I pray this would not be a wasted time, but that Your Word would go out and it would not return void. Help me to not say anything that is unhelpful, but please open my mouth to say all that would be beneficial for Your people. In Jesus' name, Amen. We have a few parables left in this series, and the parable of the talents is one that many people know. Uh, it is one that is convicting, as you just as you read it, and, and you kind of even just on the surface get an idea of what Jesus is trying to communicate. We've been talking about context with all of these parables, so I think it's important to understand what's happening when Jesus tells this one. If you have a Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 25. That's where this parable is. But I'm going to back up just a little bit to Matthew chapter 24. I want to read two verses that I think are really important to understand for the context of this particular parable. And those uh, verses are in Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 and 46. Jesus asked this question, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. That is really what Jesus is talking about in this section of Matthew, his return. And in, in, in chapter 24 and chapter 25, he is encouraging his people, be alert be ready and be faithful because I could return at any moment. Here's the reality for us. That moment when it comes and we stand before Jesus, a lot of the things that we find important right now, we will realize we're not that important. A lot of the things that excite us right now, that we get energetic about, that we get enthusiastic over, that we scream and shout about or that we get mad about, a lot of those things in that moment, we are going to realize how foolish it was that we wasted time and energy over those things. Not everything in our life is like that, but much of it, a lot of it is. 
And Jesus is trying to stir us even today. Be spiritually alert because there is a moment coming where you are going to stand before me and you're going to give an account of your life. Be alert, be ready for that moment. And here's how you get ready for that moment. Be faithful with what I've given you to do. Be faithful with the life that I have entrusted you with. And so he's telling parables that relate to this calling. If you're a note taker and you have one of our worship guides and you want to follow along and fill in some of the blanks, the parable of the talents is about each believer's personal responsibility to serve God and multiply what is His. This parable is about each believer's personal responsibility to serve God and multiply what is His. This salvation, excuse me, this parable is not about salvation. It is about, it's not about works that lead to salvation. It is about servants who belong to Christ and the personal responsibility that they have to serve Him well. And what we learn in this parable in verse 14 is Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a man about to go on a journey. So he's leaving. He's going to go off for a while. As a matter of fact, the parable says a long time. And before he leaves, he calls his own servants to them, to himself, and he entrusts to them his possessions. And that is extremely important. That everything that you see in this parable that these servants had belonged to their master. And the implication here is that the master is Jesus, that he is left to go on a journey, and that is to return to the Father. And one day he will return. But in that meantime, which is where we live right now, he is entrusted to us what is his. And the further implication in this parable is he hasn't just entrusted us these things to safeguard them. He has entrusted to us his kingdom that we might advance it. That we might multiply that kingdom. That is not a responsibility that is simply for a pastor or a minister or someone who works in a church. It is a responsibility that is given to every believer. There are no exceptions to that. If you are a Christian, you have been entrusted with a portion of the kingdom of God and that trust that you have been given is for one reason, to advance it, to multiply it. And that is what this parable is about. How do we advance the kingdom? When I say those things, I, I, I know it, it sounds right. It's something we can nod our head out, our head at. But here's the question is how do we practically do that? How do you practically advance God's kingdom and multiply what is His? In your notes, I think this is done two ways. First, it's done by internal transformation and it is also done by external proclamation. We advance God's kingdom. We multiply what is His first by internal transformation. And I have in parentheses there abiding. Before you ever have a single thought in your mind about advancing the kingdom through sharing the gospel or how you live, 
you have to start internally with what God wants to do in your own heart. What I was talking about this morning, zeal for Him. What excites you? And what does it look like when you are really enthusiastic about something? What what gets you encouraged and enthusiastic and stirred up and joyful? And what does it look like when that happens? You probably know it, those around you do, right? And and I don't want to be that guy that says, okay, look at the way you react to a sports team and then compare that to how you act in worship. But I'm going to be that guy a little. Does the enthusiasm and excitement that you have for created things, do you see that enthusiasm and excitement for the creator of those things? For worship, for how you live. It all starts in our hearts. The things that you love, no one has to force you to do those things. You find time for it. You make time for it. You make a way in your life to be able to do the things you love. The things that excite you. And if we want to talk about what's been entrusted to us and how we advance the kingdom, it has to start here with our love for God and our enthusiasm for Him. And whether or not it's something that Loving Him and loving His kingdom, is it's almost forced in our life. Or if we can look at it and say, no, this is like from my heart. I want to be with God and I want to make Him known. So it starts there. Abiding. Prayer and the Word and community. Spending time with Him and getting to know Him so that He transforms us. And as He's doing that, people will notice it. And... And what He's doing in us will make a difference in people's lives. The more you love God, the more you love others, that's an advancement of the kingdom. And then eventually what will happen is it will spill over into external proclamation. And so that's where you will start seeing this external act that is coming from your heart. Obedience to God's Word. Obedience to what He is leading you to do. Ministry to the church and serving with your spiritual gifts. And mission making Him known to others and a desire to see other people come to know Him. That's the practical ramifications of advancing the kingdom. And that's what Jesus is stirring us to in this parable, that we should have a desire to do that. Look at verse 15. So this was like a man about to go on a journey and he calls his servants, he entrusts them with his possessions. To one of those servants, he gives five talents. To another, he gives two talents. To another, he gives one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Now, a talent, we think of talent, so we have a certain idea of what that is, something you're good at. But a talent in the New Testament was a monetary figure. 
It was a, a unit of currency. So he's literally giving them financial means. And so certainly you can take this parable and apply it that way. What God places in your hands that you possess material-wise in your economics, certainly that is part of what God has entrusted to you. But I believe when you think about advancing the kingdom, Jesus is not simply talking here about money. He's not just talking about what you have in your personal economy. He's talking about what God has placed into your hands that He has entrusted you with, that you then have the opportunity to use those things to advance His kingdom. Money, time, children, a marriage, friendships, spiritual gifts, a church, energy, legs, arms, Hands, a mind, breath. Everything He has placed in your hands that you can use to advance His kingdom. In your notes, I want you to think of a talent as we go through this parable as opportunities God entrusts to you for His kingdom. Don't just think of it as money. Don't just think of it as a spiritual gift. But think about talent as being opportunities that God gives you to advance His kingdom. And because the Word tells us that He gives talents depending on each one's ability, I want you to think of ability as God's unique grace to make you good at certain things. Or you can put fruitful at certain things. I want you to think of your abilities as God's unique grace to make you good or fruitful at certain things. I think that's what Jesus wants us to consider in this parable. That God gives us certain opportunities to advance His kingdom. In every season of our life as a believer. And He has given you certain abilities, things that you're good at, that will allow you to maximize those opportunities to advance His kingdom. And in your notes, I think you can look at this formula. Your opportunities plus your ability leads you to your calling or to your personal mission. Now here's what I've told you before. I want to say it again. Everybody in this room, everybody who is a believer, we have a general calling. There are certain things that we are called to as Christians. People say, well, what is God's will for my life? The Bible is filled with that. So it is God's will, it is God's calling to you to love other people sacrificially, to forgive those who have hurt you, to be a part of a community of believers, to worship, to share about Him with others. To be faithful to your friends and to your spouse. Raise your children in the ways of the Lord to honor your parents. The Bible's filled with God's calling to us. But it is also very clear that for each one of us who is a believer, God has unique callings that are specific to us. Unique missions that He has given each one of us There are certain opportunities and abilities you have that people around you don't have. And that should excite us. 
that when God called you to salvation, Ephesians says he had already planned good works for you to walk in throughout your life, to make him known, to glorify him. And the question that we need to ask is, am I walking in those good works? Am I fulfilling what he has given me to do? Am I being faithful with that? Because my opportunities and the abilities that I have, that's my calling. That's the mission that he's given me. I want to say a few things about your calling or your personal mission. Number one, I think you discover that calling through trial and error. And what I mean by that is throughout your life, I think you'll have a lot of opportunities and you will walk into some of those opportunities. And when you do, you will discover your abilities. There will be times where there will be an opportunity presented to you to serve in a certain way or to to make Christ known in a certain way to do something. And you will start walking to that opportunity and you will realize, you know what? I don't think this is for me. I don't think this is my calling. There will be other times that that you will have those opportunities. You'll walk into those opportunities and you will discover, oh, wait, I'm good at this. This is something that I think God is calling me to do. And other people around you will affirm those things. If you believe that God has called you to something, but you're the only person in your life who believes that God has called you to that, that you have an ability to do that, might be a sign that might be a sign that you're on the wrong path. It's trial and error. That's a lot of the times is is you don't just wait for God to speak this certain thing and then you start serving. A lot of your life will be serving and taking opportunities and then discovering your abilities as you do. But also your calling is found through patience. Because sometimes you will know what your abilities are. You will know how God has gifted you. You will know how what He's entrusted you with. But you don't yet have the opportunity to use those abilities. Because God has not yet opened the door. So you have to be patient. Because if you decide to get ahead of Him and bust those doors down to use those abilities, you may find yourself getting ahead of Him and not in the right timing. So your calling is trial and error, and it's going to take a lot of patience. And your calling may also take a lot of patience because sometimes your personal calling and your personal mission will be filled with things that you don't actually desire. Something struck me this morning. We were in the prayer room. We were talking. And I was sharing with the people that were in the room about one of our members of this faith family and how they have used a an illness that they have walked with for 32 years and they've used that illness to glorify God. And as we were talking about that and I was just sharing how how encouraging it was to me to see that individual using this trial that they've lived in for three decades as a way of glorifying God, it hit me that part of this individual's personal opportunity 
is an illness. Part of what they have been entrusted with is a sickness. I believe in healing. I believe God still heals. I believe the first thing we should do and faced with difficult situations and sicknesses is we should pray. And we should ask God to heal people and heal ourselves. But I think in our theology, we also have to have a place where we understand that sometimes God's plan for us involves a weakness that He will glorify Himself through. And sometimes part of what He has entrusted to us, the opportunity that He has given us, is that weakness. That thing that we really hate and is hard and that we despise may be a unique way God has given us to glorify Him. And it takes patience to walk out your calling when it's something hard. The last thing I would say about this is I do think it sometimes changes with the seasons. There are certain callings and missions that God has for us in seasons of life, and that will change as we grow, as we age, as circumstances around us change. But your opportunities and your abilities, I believe, point you to your calling, and being faithful in your calling is what the parable of the talents is about. Let me give you some life truths from the text in your notes. Number one, not every believer will have the same calling. Verse 15 again, To one he gives five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent. Not every believer has the same calling. Let me say it this way. Not every believer has the same abilities. Not every believer has the same opportunities. If we want to say, this isn't fair... When we see someone who has more than us, we are really going to struggle in the economy of God's kingdom because He doesn't give everyone the same thing. He doesn't give everyone the same level of ability. He doesn't give everyone the same opportunities. And a big part of growth in the faith and spiritual maturity in your notes is to believe God determines our capacity and that we must agree with His judgment. God determines what we are capable of. He determines what our capacity is in our lives. And you and I must agree with that judgment. We must come to a place where it's okay if we see someone with more ability than we have or more opportunities than we have. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Think sober-mindedly about yourself. All right, I've said, I've said this to you before, and I don't say it trying to get compliments or anything like that. But I, I, I try to use it as an illustration. I hope, I really hope that in the final analysis that you would look at me and say, he was a faithful pastor. He was good. He was a good pastor to us. I hope that in my ministry here, you can say that. 
But if you think that, if you think, yes, you're a good pastor, you're a faithful pastor, if you think that, here's, here's the reality. I would not be a good pastor at just any church. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you could pull me out of this place and put me somewhere else in a different context or circumstance or different number of people and that I would be a faithful or good pastor in that place. I am capable for where God has placed me in the abilities that He's given me and the opportunity He's given me. And so if I look at someone and I say, man, I have served this number of years, and look at that person, and, and look at them in the church they pastor, and look at the number of people they have coming, or, or look at how they're able to use their time, and I do that, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get really bitter really quick. Because I'm jealous of what someone else has been given to do, rather than just being faithful with what I've been given to do. Sometimes we will overestimate our calling. We will overestimate our abilities. And if we do that, we will become bitter and envious of people who have more than we do. Now, I will also say, sometimes we will underestimate our calling. We will look at other people and we will say, God's called them to do really important things. Look at that audience that He's given them. Look at the opportunities that He's given them. Look at the number of people they're sharing Christ with and that, that are coming to Jesus. Look at, look at the chances that they have. Look at how fruitful they are. Look at that ability they have to do these certain things. And then we'll say, I just don't really have much. Yeah, my, my opportunities, my ability, it's really not that important. That person is before the masses. What have I been called to do? Pray in a closet where no one sees me? If you think that way, you will become apathetic. You will be the servant who goes and buries his talent. Because you don't think it's that important. One talent, by the way, in the Bible was about 15 to 20 years salary for a day laborer. Today, depending on which commentary you read, talents would be estimated to be between $1 million and $1.5 million. In that day, when a person heard a talent, they would think two decades worth of labor. A person who was given five talents is a lot of money. But the person who was given one still had tremendous responsibility. That servant, his talent only seemed insignificant when he compared himself to other people and what they had, rather than focusing on what his master had given him to do. God determines our capacity, and we must agree with His judgment. We must believe that He knows the best place to put us, the best opportunities to give us, and the best abilities to give us. Secondly, in your notes, a servant's reward is based on their faithfulness, not their productivity. A servant's reward is based on their faithfulness, not their productivity. 
Look at verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached and presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. All right, so we could look at that and say, Yes, he got a commendation. He had been given equivalent of $5 million in today's economy, and he made it $10 million, and yes, he's rewarded for that because that's how, we, that's how we're trained to think. It's the, the people who do the best that have the jobs and get the rewards. That's what we're used to. But look at what happens next. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. Here's what I want you to see there. These two servants got the exact same commendation. They got the exact same reward. You were faithful with little. I will give you more. Come share in my joy. The person with five talents got that reward. The person with two talents got the same reward. At the end of it all, when we stand before Jesus, that, that individual who lived their life in obscurity, in their home, unable to leave, out of the sight of anyone and everyone praying daily to their Father on behalf of the kingdom and others will get the same reward as Billy Graham who traveled the world for decades sharing the gospel and seeing people, dozens, hundreds, thousands of people coming to Christ over and over. The same reward for both. It's not about the productivity. It's about how faithful they were with what God gave them to do. If He's given you one talent, He doesn't expect you to produce what the person with five talents. If He's given you certain opportunities and abilities, He doesn't expect you to produce what those with more opportunities and abilities produce. His expectation is you are faithful with what He has given you. And if in your mind you think, and all, all these people that have served Him so faithfully, and look at what they've done, and, and look at the impact they've had on the kingdom, their reward is going to be great. And I, I just, I don't have much. And He, Jesus says, be faithful with what I've given you. Your reward will be great. Because He knows your abilities, He knows the opportunities, and He will reward you based on your faithfulness. And what is that reward? In your notes, the reward for faithful work is more work. The reward for faithful work is more work to be faithful with as well as the joy of your Master. 
In both verse 21 and 22, he says, you were faithful over a few things that I gave you, and now I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. Here's what, here's what we often will say. If God would just do this, then I would really be able to serve Him. If God would just do this, then I would, I would be faithful. If He would just give me this amount of money, if He would just put me in this part of town, if He would just do this with my business or my career, if He would just fix this in my marriage, if He would just help me with this problem with my kids, if He would just resolve this one thing, then I would be faithful and I would serve. And I think what Jesus is saying is there is absolutely no evidence of that. Apart from you being faithful with what I have given you today. Your marriage is a shambles. It's, it's difficult. It's problematic. Be faithful. Do what I've told you to do. Love, honor, sacrifice. And I will reward that faithfulness. Some of that will be in this life. I believe that. I believe some of us, God, will give us certain abilities and opportunities, and when we're faithful with those things, He will increase our opportunities and our abilities. But it will certainly be true in eternity. I think we're going to work in eternity. I think we're going to serve in eternity. I think we're going to be in charge of things in eternity, those who have been faithful. I think the Word shows us that. And so we are... Faithful with what He's given us today, trusting that He will give us more when He's ready. And we get to share in His joy. God delights in the advancement of His kingdom. He delights in seeing love increase and peace increase and the kingdom moving. He delights in that. And when you serve and you work and you are faithful to be part of that advancement, you get to share in His joy of what He's doing. What a delight to be able to know that God is advancing His kingdom through you and you get to have joy in that as He does it. But what Jesus also teaches us in this parable in your notes is that the faithless will lose everything. The faithless will lose everything. So here's this really difficult and hard ending to this parable. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See what you have, or see, you have what is yours. It's still here. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers, and I would have received my money back with interest when I return. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. 
So interesting, this, master, this servant said, Master, I knew you. And then he goes on to show he didn't know him at all. He said, this is what I believed about you and your character and what your expectation was. And I did not feel I could live up to that expectation. And I was scared. I was scared of what it would look like if I failed. So look, I just buried what you gave me and I didn't lose any of it. In other words, I didn't squander it. This servant didn't take what God had given him or the master had given him and waste it on himself. He simply buried it. He buried his opportunities. He buried his abilities. And he didn't do anything. And the master calls him out and says, if you really knew me, then you would have known that what would please me would be for my kingdom to advance. And you would have done something. You would have at least taken it and just done the minimum amount. Put it with a banker and get interest. Because you would have known when I stand before my master, he will be pleased with my attempts to advance what is his. But you didn't try. You buried what I gave you. And so that servant lost what he had had, his opportunities, his abilities. They were taken from him. They were given to someone else who was faithful. And he was left with nothing. We have this verse 30, throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I said to you earlier, I, I don't think this parable is about salvation. It would go against the entire grain of the New Testament to show that if we are not faithful in our works, then we are in danger of hell because we do not earn salvation, we do not earn heaven. There's a couple of possibilities here. Certainly there's a possibility that this servant was not a true servant. The reason they were not faithful is because they didn't really love their master. But I think it's also possible that this being put into outer darkness is not in this part of the New Testament, not in this parable, equated to hell, but rather to a moment at the judgment seat of Christ of great sorrow. Do you know in the Bible where it says that when you stand before Jesus, He will wipe away every tear? Right? The Bible says that. I think there's a very good possibility that some of the tears Jesus wipes away will be the sorrow we have over knowing what we wasted. What we were given the ability and the opportunities to do that we didn't do. As believers, we do not work to earn our salvation. But as believers, we work when we're saved. We serve faithfully the one who saved us. We use our calling, our opportunities and our abilities to advance His kingdom. And there are very real consequences to us burying what God has given us and not seeking to advance His kingdom. Whether we do that because we're afraid of failure, whether we do that because 
honestly, we just love things in the world more than this idea of sacrifice for the kingdom? Whether we do this and we bury it because we're bitter that there are other people that have more than we do, whatever the motivation, there will be sorrow over burying what God has given us. R.T. Kendall, an old pastor, said, believe in the sovereignty of God, but accept the responsibility that God has given you. Take your anointing seriously and seek to safeguard it. In other words, will the kingdom of God advance without you? Absolutely. Nothing will stop it. The kingdom will advance. You could even ask the question, is this person in my life who I feel called to share the gospel with, if I don't share the gospel with them, are they going to go to hell because of me? My belief is no. Because I believe God is sovereign, and I believe His kingdom will advance. But if the next conclusion you reach is, then it's really not that important what I do, you are not listening to what Jesus is saying. Because God's sovereignty does not excuse our responsibility. And there are very real consequences when we bury what He's given us. We should, in a way, think what I'm doing is important. Not in a way of making yourself proud, but in a way of saying it is serious. What God has given me to do is serious. And I need to take it seriously. And I need to strive and I need to work and I need to serve to be faithful. Because I don't want God to say, I gave you that opportunity and that ability and you ignored it. So I'm going to take that from you and I'm going to give it to someone else. I love pastoring this church. This is the joy of my life. God doesn't need me here. This church doesn't rise or fall on me. If I'm not faithful, it is nothing for Him to replace me with someone who is. What I'm doing is serious. What you're doing is serious. And when we are faithful... He will give us more to be faithful with. But when we are not faithful, He can take it from us and give it to someone else if He chooses. And that will be great sorrow. So, Jesus, this very first day of 2023, is placing before us that question. What opportunities... What abilities has He given you? And are you being faithful with those? To serve and to multiply what is His. If you would, look on the front of your worship guide in this prayer focus for today. And I'm using the Scripture passage that Kevin read to us this morning. And I said this earlier in my prayer, but 
This is a time of year where many of us take a, we take a look at our lives. We reflect. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I don't think it is, I think it's a very good thing to have these moments where you stop and you look at your life, you reflect on where you've been and where you want to go. A lot of us, that, that sometimes comes out in resolutions of what I want to be, what I want to do differently or who I want to be. And those can be very good things. A lot of us, the problems we have is we usually try to do that in our own power rather than help from the Lord. And so sometimes we'll do what we set out to do and sometimes we won't. But here is a biblical principle. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So the question I want to lay before us today is what opportunities has God given you? What abilities has He given you? And are you being faithful with those abilities, with those that calling? And what changes might you need to make in your life as you go into this new year and into this maybe a new season? What changes might you need to make so that you can be more faithful with what He's given you? Some of those changes may be internal That just how you view your life and how you react to things around you and some of those things just may need to change. Spending more time with Christ and letting Him mold you and shape you. Some of them may be external in how you spend your time or what you're being obedient with. I believe if you will ask Him, He will show you. No one here who is a believer doesn't have a calling. Every person here who knows Christ, you have a personal calling with unique opportunities and abilities. And the call of the Word is be faithful with those. Be faithful. And you will be rewarded in that faithfulness. I want to ask the worship team to come up. And I want us to do a couple of things this morning as they do. I'm going to ask um, some people if they would come and pray. So um, maybe Josie and Jeanette, if you guys would, and then uh, Nick and uh, Rob, would you would you mind joining them? We're going to pray for a couple of things. I had I had one person this morning ask me for a specific prayer request, so we're going to we're going to just a moment we're going to pray um, for that request with these prayer partners. I also want us to pray for those in our church who are sick. So for Sam and his family, for Brad Greenslade, still in the hospital, we need to pray for Brad and that the infection that they're trying to clear out of his body would, would clear out and he could get those chest tubes removed. because He's in a lot of suffering and pain because of that. And there are other people, we talked about Meredith earlier this morning, so lots of illness, and I just want us to pray for those things. And if there's a specific issue that you would like someone to pray for, then that's what these prayer partners are here for. They will pray and uh, pray for whatever it is that you ask. But here's what I would like for us to do if we're not praying. As we sing this last song, would you be willing to sing? Stand or to kneel and just consider what God has put before us us today. I don't 
pretend He has put it before us perfectly through me. He is not. But I trust that what He wants us to hear, we are able to hear through His Word today. Be excited and enthusiastic and zealous for the opportunities and the abilities He's given you. Be excited that one day you will have the chance to stand before Him and to hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because of what you were able to produce, but because you were faithful with whatever He put in your hands. And if I can pastorally say this, Be fearful of standing before Him with nothing to show but faithlessness. Not fearful of judgment to hell, but fearful of loss. And know that He is calling you through His Word and His Spirit. Serve and advance the kingdom. And you will share in His joy. Father, thank You that You have called us to Yourself and You have put us to work. And that we have the opportunity to serve You faithfully and advance what is Yours. God, everything that You have is precious and good. Thank You for giving it to us. God, help us to be faithful. We can't do that without You. But I pray for the grace in this room and among these people the grace to feel a desire to serve You in this new year with greater sacrifice and zeal, taking advantage of every opportunity and excited about our abilities. And I pray, God, also for the help that You will make what we do fruitful. Because without You, God, it will be nothing. I pray, God, that You would help us to repent where we have been faithless. And God, please give us the joy that is Yours in seeing Your kingdom advance. I pray this church, I pray Agape, would be able to walk in an anointing of power and grace to advance Your kingdom where You have placed us. And I pray in this new year, God, we would have greater opportunities and see greater fruit from what You are doing here. God, please speak to our hearts. God, those who are being prayed for today, please hear them as they pray. God, those who are standing to sing, please bless them as they do. And please help us, God, with whatever You lay on our hearts. In Jesus' name. If there's anything you want to talk about, about your relationship with Christ, if you're not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus or you're not sure if it is what it needs to be, I would love for you to tell me that before you leave here today. And you and I will make plans to talk this week and discuss what God is doing in your life. So if you will, assume a posture of worship. Let's sing together. Let's pray. Let's respond to God's Word. Amen.